Smartest Cats. My name is Misha Johnson. And, and you're you there are listening, listening to Paper Cats. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Pizzazz. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Taylor and Misha, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with me and talk about what you're doing here at Freeverse Farm. And I guess one way to get started is just like logistics. Where are we? What are we actually doing here? We are in Chelsea, Vermont, which is the Shire town, which means it's the county seat, which oh, wow. means the sheriff is here. And the courthouse. That is not necessarily relevant to our artistic and farming endeavors, <laughs> but we are very proud of it. Wait, are both those, am I right that both of those are also part of the library? Do I see that? Or is it another the, Chelsea building? Uh, the, the library, library is attached to the town hall and the town clerk's office or whatever okay. yeah and the treasurer is attached to the hairdresser it's a very small town <laughs> and the masons are attached to the post office and the barber yeah. <laughs> it's a small town yeah so that's where we are rural vermont mm-hmm. population about 1200 mm-hmm. and we're also incidentally at about 1200 feet elevation mm-hmm. wow so we're on a hill wondering about that yeah as I was up there on the camper. Yeah, so our land starts at like 1100 at like the very bottom part there, and then goes up to about 1600. So it's kind of a long strip of land that goes up pretty, pretty, pretty fast. You went all the way to the top. Yeah, I did. Yeah. That's... So that's about 1500 feet. Okay, good. Now I know how many steps I've been getting. Yeah. <laughs> the artist's Fitbit is just very generalized. Yeah. Like, hmm. Some sort of elevation incline. It's like yeah. quick bursts of, of movement <laughs> yeah. followed by sedimentary action. Yeah. It doesn't measure the typing. <laughs> yeah. There should be a Fitbit for words. Yeah, there should be. I guess it's called a word count. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. But it doesn't like gamify it enough. Right. There needs to be. There used to be the words per minute on like a typewriter, right? right? That was the big deal. Like, yeah. If you were a yeah. secretary, you had to say, you know, I'm good at 60 words a minute or whatever it is. But we're in Chelsea, Vermont. We're in Chelsea, Vermont. We were saying more about where we are. Yeah. yeah. Did you want to <laughs> add anything up. else? Uh, we're about 40 minutes. It's a, it's a historic farming area. Mm-hmm. It's an old area that actually used to be on the route between Boston and Montreal before the highways and, and other bigger roads. And now, uh, so there's lots of old historic buildings in town that used to be inns that were along the old way to get from one point to the other. Um, oh, wow. And now those are, are no longer inns for the most part. There's a couple bed and breakfasts, but um, there's and just a lot of bed and breakfasts as yeah. I was driving into town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and you just see in town that the village just has pretty big, fancy-looking homes. Yeah, um, some of which are not as well kept up these days, but a lot of which are look pretty magnificent. You can kind of imagine the glory days in the I guess it would have been the 19th century, late 19th century maybe. And when the highways were built in Vermont, Chelsea was sort of bypassed. So we don't have a highway exit near us. We're about 40 minutes from... Or a railroad. Or a railroad station near us. So that has kind of left us in one of these zones of Vermont that you're not probably going to pass through unless you're doing so on purpose. Because we're just... We're not off... We're off of a two-state road, but smaller state roads. So that definitely contributes to who's here, how this place has developed, why this town has sort of gone through a very large shift shift, um, once manufacturing left small villages. It was was very difficult for towns like this to survive. And there used to be 40 dairies in Chelsea, and now there are four. Wow. Uh, and that's mostly happened, I think, over the last, since the 80s, is when the big dairy market crash happened. But you still see, you know, lots of big old farms and silos and uh, hay barns and yeah. things like that. And actually, all four that are remaining are certified organic farms, too, which is kind of cool. That, so that really I think is. that's kind of a fun bonus, even though we you know, we wish there were more. Yeah, this is definitely a dairy place. Like, that is It's still very much in the here. blood, even though there mm-hmm. aren't as yeah. many farms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we had to learn a lot about dairy or at least I did. And how, like, when did you decide that you wanted to bring the farm to Chelsea? Because this is not the first part of Vermont that you've kind of settled in or you came out from San Diego. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I grew up in Norwich, um, which is about 45 minutes southeast of here. And that's right across the river from Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire, uh, which is considered kind of the center of the Upper Valley, which is this Upper Connecticut River Valley watershed region. Uh, and uh, when we moved back from San Diego, we started our farm there, renting land and uh, growing a few things for a season, um, beginning our search for land that we could make you know, permanently our own. Uh, and it took us two years of searching just in this general region, which we felt very comfortable in, yeah. um, to find this land in Chelsea. And we, after a year in Norwich, we spent another year on the other side of Chelsea living on another person's land, farming. Um, and I think we, we fell in love with uh, the land itself. And uh, it's certainly more affordable than buying land in Norwich and some more populated areas as well. Yeah. But still, we have decent proximity to where we want to be selling our stuff. Um, and I think, fell, I, I don't know about Taylor, but I kind of fell in love with the community here too, because I feel like this is real authentic Vermont community, small town, um, real hardworking people, um, and hasn't been affected by development or gentrification or anything like that, um, that you might see up in somewhere like Burlington or closer to Barry Montpelier or in the White River Junction area, for example. Mm -hmm. And we looked at a lot of land. Yeah. So we were thinking about just buying land without a house. We were looking at big old farmhouses and old farms. So this was kind of the perfect combination of land that had been paid, mm -hmm. so minimally maintained but open, uh, small house, south-facing, and there were a lot of herbs growing here while when we came and walked on the land, yeah. which was a, they were talking to us and telling us this to stay here. Yeah, yep. the first time we came was actually about this time of year, sort mm -hmm. of early, mid-August, um, after two years of looking for land. And I think, I actually came here alone first because I, Taylor was working her day job and I was kind of focused on the land search a little bit and working on the farm at home. And uh, I came out here and I just kind of felt immediately like this was, had the right mix for what we were looking for. And I think it really did take us two years to kind of get a finer vision for what was going to work for us and what we needed to have to make our, our lifestyle work. Because as farmers, your whole life is enveloped in that world and you can't mm -hmm. just parcel it out. Uh, so we really had to think holistically about all the aspects of the land, the house, future family, all those things. And bringing people onto the land was always yeah. a part of our vision. Yeah. So having 20 acres that were open felt like there's a lot of opportunity here. It's a lot of potential. It's a lot. Yeah. And it's also, you know, rolling hillsides, which provides for these different zones on the same piece of land. Yeah. You know, as opposed to just a flat piece of land where you can see everything from all vantage points, which is very rare in Vermont, except for... Champlain Valley, Next maybe. to rivers yeah. or the lake, yeah. But, you know, there's just kind of this nooky, magical feel as you're wandering around our land. It's like, oh, this is a good little spot, you know, and there's a shade of trees that you haven't experienced when you were over there. So we yeah. kind of really liked the feel of that. Lots of different areas in one area. Yeah. I really appreciated that, being here for, for the week and being able to walk around and just see how the how the vantage point changes from yeah. everywhere that you're that you're at and mm -hmm. like you said all these little areas just kind of like open themselves up yeah and we'll mow an area that hasn't been mowed before and we're like ooh, <laughs> look at this zone yeah. i was saying that i wanted to have different something like a contemplation tour of the land where there was different mowed areas with a bench and you just went from one to the next and maybe there were like prompts that you could think about on your life about your or life a little zen like <laughs> rock garden or something right right a little a little bonsai uh, <laughs> sand pit with a small rake <laughs> i love that just like walking trails in parks but right. meditation trails so you're not right like, well I've, I've always wanted to get an artist grant to put benches and desks all over the farm so everywhere you could be you'd be walking and be like a desk great here. I'll yeah. sit here and yeah. do a little work and do a little reading because that's my dream whenever I'm really happy in a spot I want to sit down and read and write there that's like I don't want to like explore it I'm like this is so beautiful I want to sit down and write 
So <laughs> that was my idea. When I was in the the secret forest meadow mm-hmm. up there the other day, that's basically exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, like I need a desk. Lunch here. I could be hanging out reading. Yeah. We actually did have a bench there. We moved yeah. it last week. Oh, <laughs> what? I know. The bench that is for the fire pit right now, I put it in the truck and drove it down for the events that we had. Yep. Sorry about so that. Actually, we have had that up there for that. I think that's one of the fun things about land to me, too, is like creating spaces. Like, I really mm-hmm. get a lot out of creating spaces, not, not just for myself, but for other people, wildlife, livestock, mm-hmm. plants to grow. And so that's like kind of the vision for it. I, I view like farming as, as kind of being like a conductor. It's like you don't really have control of all those parts, but you're kind of, you're coaxing them in and out yeah. to express themselves in different ways. So like the, the meadow that your camper is in, that you're staying in, is like we've brought that back from kind of getting overgrown with little shrubs and little trees that was coming up. And now we're just really coaxing it to encourage a lot more wildlife and wildflowers that we can harvest and... Um, pruning the trees up so you can sit underneath them. Pruning the trees them. up so you can <laughs> sit underneath them and, and encouraging those wild apple trees to fill out and yeah, um, just kind of working with what's here but also kind of seeing what the potential for everything is 5, 10, 50 years down the road. We talked a lot about, about the land but can you kind of describe what the layout is and what you're, what you're growing? What are some of these areas? Um, something we haven't brought up yet is that you're actually running a residency here, which is <laughs> right. yes. why I'm here living yes. in that camper. Yes. Um, yeah, so what's, what are all the activities of Freeverse Farm sure. Apothecary and Residency? You want to start, and then I'll maybe jump in on the sure. residency. Uh, so we have 38 acres, 38.2 to be exact. And it's about half field, half forest. And uh, our farmhouse is located kind of at the bottom point of it. And the land is a long strip that starts out with field and then goes up into the forest higher up on the land. Uh, We have about two, two and a half acres that is cultivated area, which means that we might till it up or plant row crops in it or something like that. Uh, And then we have about a dozen acres that is set aside as grazing area for cattle. Although we have, over time, had sheep in there as well. Um, and we view livestock as an integral part of the whole farm ecosystem. So even though we don't have a barn, we've always been passionate about having livestock here and integrating them into what we do. Yeah. Uh, and then we set aside a lot of acres as well, especially early on in the season, for wild harvesting of herbs. So we have five-plus acres that are set aside just for that, and then toward the end of the season, we'll, we'll graze through there. Uh, and the forests are useful as well. Uh, and as Taylor was saying, kind of at the beginning of the conversation, the variation in the landscape provides, you know, potentially areas for contemplation, but also little niche microclimates for different herbs. So as opposed to a vegetable farm where you might want smooth river bottom land uh, to grow corn or grow lettuce or carrots or something like that, yeah. herbs are still, in, the, in many cases, still exhibit a lot of their wild characteristics. And that's why they're often just called weeds in, and we like to make use of those weeds uh, but that they, they present a certain vigor and they also like a real diverse array of climates so elderberries for example really like being near on the edges of streams where they're what are called their feet are wet which means the roots can handle kind of wet heavier soil yeah and then other herbs like oregano or lavender or thyme which are of mediterranean origin like these dry hot slopes that we have out in the field too so we think very much about that and how we sort our land out where we plant stuff uh, based on sort of what these herbs are wanting. And that goes for forest as well because we can grow some crops in the forest, so-called woodland medicinals, yeah. that uh, can grow in the shade and ideally in the shade of the forest. Yeah. And the so, so the apothecary is where we <laughs> create uh, products from what we're able to grow here. We aren't able to grow, at least at this point, everything that we put into our products. Uh, but we're, our goal is to provide as close to 100% of our ingredients as possible. Uh, so I trained as an herbalist when we were in San Diego after many years of farming and interest in herbs and growing herbs. Uh, and that allowed me to kind of expand into creating products. So we do tea blends, culinary herbs, uh, body care products like salves and creams. Uh, as well as drinking some of our iced tea from our Tulsi plants. Uh, And 
Yeah, I guess that's it. We have a little CSA, Community Supported Apothecary, as opposed to Community Supported Agriculture uh-huh. costs that we do sort of four shares per year uh, tied to the seasons. So we send them out around the equinox and the solstice, or the equinox season, the solstice season. Um, so we've got the fall one coming up in about a month or so. And then the residency was something I said I was going to do as soon as I finished grad school. I just told everyone that we were moving to Vermont to start a poetry farm. (laughs) And we did. So it took many years uh, to get it going. We had two different campers, which we were, or trailers, which we were using for, um, we were Airbnb-ing one. We were having employees live in them. And... We just decided this was the year when we were going to sell the littler one, keep the larger one, and just focus on bringing artists here. So, as I may have told you, part of this endeavor is extremely selfish in that I don't have a lot of people around here to talk about poetry and art with, and I wanted them to come to my house. And not necessarily stay in my house, but be on my land so that I could talk to them about things I'm reading and, you know, just kind of be in art community with people. Um, And I think of that as one of the ways that I, one of the, like, ways I've saved my own life kind of thing, um, which I, you have to do out in the country. You have to make your life for yourself. There's not existing programs. There's not already all these great people doing these great projects and you can just show up to their meeting once a month. You have to create the things that you want in your world here, which is a lot of work, but also really empowering because you can create exactly what you want in the world. So I wanted, always would have loved to be able to go to a residency on a farm that was sort of, you know, not too hands-on, but in a beautiful place. So that was what I created. I'm calling it self-directed and yeah. one one poet at a time, I was saying, although we have let in some choice non-poets, yourself included. <laughs> and yeah, it's been really nice. You know, I feel like we really like having people come in and kind of experience what we're doing and just having someone making work in our yard or up on the hill is just like such a dream and getting to decorate the space and think about it and, you know, we kind of pruned up the plants around it and put the seed up there and just kind of envision someone getting work done is just was a dream so yeah, yeah. For, for us it's all really a creative project as well whether yeah. it's the farming or the apothecary or anything like that so we're inspired by the space and we just think that we can inspire other people and, and provide the space for them to be inspired to, to do whatever is their creative work mm-hmm. uh, I think that's always been part of what we wanted to do yeah and as I said to you when you first got here, like you don't technically need a lot to be in an art-making space, right? You no, just you need really to don't. be like comfortable enough and have your coffee and you know enough blankets and a good space <laughs> to sit and write. So, you know, we just were like, let's just create a little space, and yeah, it really resonated with people. Yeah, it's incredible. And one thing that, again, from being here for a few days it's really clear how well considered the entire land is. Like the residence, residency camper itself is put together in such a uh, marvelous way. And it is super comfortable. And it kind of just felt like an immediate space to get some work done. Yeah. I just want to make a side note that a monarch has emerged from its chrysalis right behind you. What? Oh my goodness. It wow. just did that. So that's just the type of things that happen here at Freeware's Farm. <laughs> And apothecary and residency. Well, it's just been stretching its wings, so I think it needs to sort of open, and yeah. they have to dry out, out, right? So when its wings open, it's trying to climb up. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Pure magic. Yeah. <laughs> just to describe for the audio listeners what happened, we this is something I did as a kid all the time, but is to take milkweed from the field, take a monarch or a, take a monarch caterpillar. And you feed the milkweed to them over a few days, and then they eventually decide to form a chrysalis. And uh, in a couple weeks, they open up into a beautiful monarch butterfly. Not even. It's been one week. It's been a couple weeks. And the chrysalis is green with flecks of gold on it. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) And they just, it's like, you turn your back for an hour, and you come back, and all of a sudden, they just are in a chrysalis. Yeah. Just like, it's just magic. Wow. 
Yeah. And this is actually something that people are doing to encourage people to help preserve the monarchs, which are in much fewer numbers than when we were kids. All reason about this farm was magic. (laughs) (laughs) But back to the residency. Yeah. Another thing that I was thinking about, Taylor, while you were talking about developing and and creating the life that you want to be living and also working with a larger community and fostering that, that's something that you two have been doing for as long as I've known you. And we met back in San Diego, and I didn't know you like super well there, but you were holding public events in your side yard, like poetry readings and art shows, make sure you were showing some of your photographs as well. Mm-hmm. So you both come from this creative uh, community that you also have put a lot of work into supporting. And San Diego had not a lot of cool stuff going on. <laughs> no, it didn't. And we had this janky little yard with this rotting white picket fence that we just <laughs> put art installations on yeah. and had live music and the cops came because and they would have been there earlier but there was a really bad accident on their way the neighbors <laughs> all called the cops i mean like it was totally not official yeah. they were like, really... there's crazy poets out here yeah they're... and we were always like people would kind of stop on their walk and sort of like wander in like can i come to this poetry we were not far from the main we were right off the main track yeah. Yeah. yeah right off of university so i mean that to me was like it was so easy to put together like i knew all these artists yeah and i was very happy to um drink whiskey and introduce them and we had a little bit of space, like enough. I don't know. It was just like it was a no-brainer for us. Yeah, and we weren't like allowed to like plant stuff in that yard too. It like had to stay as grass too. <laughs> so I was kind of like really gardening on the side. Like I planted a banana plant, and I had some like little herb <laughs> gardens that were like raised off the ground and stuff. And like I just can't help but like plant stuff as well. But I think in a way it was kind of like guerrilla art. You yeah. know, it's oh, like yeah. we were kind of guerrilla gardening and guerrilla arts. Like we weren't really supposed to be hosting events there, but we were just like whatever. We just want to do this, and it was so much yeah, fun. Yeah, it was so much fun. And we just had, like, you know, our friend working, you know, our friend doing flowers at Susie's farm. Mm-hmm. So we would have, I don't know if you remember, we would have floral arrangements oh, yeah. like it no, was I a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what we had access to. And we would have, like, like, little food that people had made, and, like, we had... Pesto made out of like basil microgreens because we had leftover stuff from the farmer's market. I just felt like there was such like a bounty there that we had access to because I always feel like when you have access to like vegetables and and flowers that your life is like rich. So we were just like rich there just by living in a tiny, tiny studio with a pretty small yard. The yard was bigger than the studio bigger than the studio yep and that was kind of like our living room the whole time we were there we were outside all the time coming from the northeast you're like oh san diego you can be outside every night yeah it's like pretty incredible like when i was in grad school the building that we were in just didn't have hallways like all the doors just opened to the outside so yeah you just spend a lot more time outside although we would take walks around our neighborhood at night almost every night and everyone was inside watching tv yeah yeah well that's yeah. It was terrifying. Was and I remember that we, we had a big blackout. Were you, I don't know if you yes. were still in San Diego then, but yeah, big blackout. Was. It was yeah. our third, I guess it was toward the end of our time there. Mm-hmm. And some something had happened that caused the power to go out in the whole city. I remember everybody was outside at night. like People were lighting candles, and there was just so much noise outside, which normally the noise was contained inside in mm-hmm. San Diego. And I just felt like it was so euphoric for people to like have this weird instance whereas in vermont like the power goes out all the time and like a snowstorm or whatever but yeah. it felt like this big kind of celebratory thing mm-hmm. but it was also just kind of a funny window for about i don't know 24 hours that that it went on when people actually talk to their neighbors and all those type of things that happen yeah. when just like a comfort is taken away from you and you realize you don't actually need it yeah 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 i mean you do need electricity of course that was but... a really interesting kind of yeah. moment and um yeah yeah but just throwing those events was like I think it really legitimizes you as an artist to feel like you're, even if you're just at a poetry reading or your art is being featured by someone doing something in their yard, you know, you you get ready for the show in the same way you would if you were a professional artist, you know, like you, you title all of your pieces and you kind of select them and you frame them. And so I just felt like being in grad school where we're all trying to figure out, you know, our voices as poets and some visual artists trying to figure out their artistic voices and... So it was just like, 
it was a way to bestow a very small honor, a very small, you know, honor, honor yeah. on yeah. on people who are just in the process of figuring out what kind of artist they were, and just to have all these people there, like kind of at a party, listening to them. I mean, yeah. it's just really empowering. I feel like to to be able yeah, to do absolutely. that. And there was a lot of Tubuk Chuck. Yes. I mean, those parties were sponsored by Tubuk Chuck. <laughs> I would just go and buy like. Trader Joe's was a block away. Yeah, so. we would yeah. buy so much two dollar wine. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was fun. Yeah, I think we did like three or four. Three. Think, yeah. Yeah, three or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for your photo, like we, what did you do? You clamped. Yeah, I we went to the hardware store and I I cut plywood pieces clamped it to the um, rotting picket fence. To the rotting picket fence. Somehow it held. And then I got clip lights, spotted them yeah, on yeah. the photos that I mounted on yeah. the boards. Yeah. And it all looked really great. <laughs> <laughs> and it was nighttime too by the end. So that was yeah. just like kind of a fun aspect to it. Yeah. Yeah. We had, I mean, San Diego, it never rained, but it's great weather every time. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The new rain dates. Yeah. It's all these spaces where you can do really interesting things and there's not like that plethora of other right. creative activities that were already happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We turned a stale space into something that kind of had a lot more life. I think mm-hmm. that was what we, you can't see stale space and not want to do something with it. <laughs> right. Well, we've talked about, we have what we call our barnage, our garage that we use as a barn. Yeah. We've talked about turning that into like an art space one day where it's just really concrete floor, you know, it's a garage. Yeah. But just to be like, that's fine. We can clear off the walls and yeah, we can put totally art works. on the earth dryer if yeah. we need to. You know, just kind of like invading these spaces that are completely just, yeah, unused or utilitarian or just not pretty. Yeah. So that's one of our dreams yeah. too. Getting art to our mill. We're still at just the beginning. We are still at just the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And also like having artists here is just like, you can just kind of like see what's going on in our farm. You know, you're just like, come here and just... There's farmers and there's campers and there's yeah. cows. And there's cows in or outside of the fencing and <laughs> you know it's just kind of like come and just be like one of the other creatures in our ecosystem for a week. Yeah. That's kind of like a fun part of it. Yeah, I think I've been here for a really perfect time because I was able to just kind of see things happening on the uh-huh. periphery or up from my my seat at the top of the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but then the other day with the, the farm tour, oh, yeah. being able to get a little bit more info on, on what is actually happening and what the what the crops are that you're that you're growing, mm-hmm. like, that was really wonderful. Cool. Yeah, so that's another way to also support a community and de- and develop one that you want right. around the farm as a creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like being a business here and being an artist residency here, I mean, people find us because they're like, oh, I'm thinking of moving to the area, and I saw that your farm is there. But that kind of like lends legitimacy to the area. It's like, oh, you're living there and doing your thing. And it, yeah. and it you know, kind of has a gravitational pull to pulling more people who are interested in like starting a business or a family here. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Like these creative nodes can pop up and yeah. just start to attract other people. Yeah. And that's what you. And in Vermont, yeah. so much of it goes just unspoken or unknown outside of our world. Like social media is still like not heavily used here and just. Um, there's just a different way of communication in the country. And so having grown up here, I've always known that every hill is pocketed with an artist or somebody's doing mm-hmm. creative woodwork or yeah. something like that. And we're always learning about new people that we hadn't really heard about or other people are moving here and doing creative projects. And or like, you know, we need a mini fridge. So I find one on the listserv and I drive out to, whoa, far away, <laughs> dirt road off a dirt road off a dirt road to buy a mini fridge from a woman who, as it turns out, is a preeminent um, stained glass artist known internationally and repairs stained glass for churches, you know, like, wow. and also does all of her own work. So I'm buying a mini fridge for 30 bucks, but then she's showing me her artist studio perched on the top of the world, you know, and it's like, Artists often are solitary, and so there's a lot of them out here because you yeah. can just live, you know, relatively cheaply on a dirt road and not have to talk to a lot of people and convert a barn into your space. And, you know, it's just kind of like more sustainable to be creating your art someplace where the expenses aren't as high. You know, you yeah. can chop your own wood so you don't have to pay for your heat. I mean, that's your time. So, but there's just artists everywhere. It's crazy. 
And then you just need to like kind of bring them out. Like an artist collective just started in town. I think I was telling you about that. Yeah, yeah, the, the cafe yeah. and the art gallery. Yeah, yeah, the cafe and the gallery and the festival. Um, and that was really inspired by the town being in a like, complete economic downturn moment. You know, a year or two ago, we actually, every single thing in town had closed. Like, oh, we wow. didn't even have gas. You had to drive, like, 15 miles to get gas. It was a bad scene. And that was when a lot of the community started saying, okay, we still want to live here, and we need things here. So yeah. what are we going to do? So there's a community grocery store project as well, which is in the works. But art is the first thing that came back with, like, kind of that sentiment mm-hmm. of, like, let's help this town. Yeah. So, and it was always there. It was just concentrating it in that, that mm-hmm. focal point of having a cafe or a gallery. And, yeah. yeah. A space where people can gather around. Yeah. Yep. And, have, and they have openings and they have live music. And mm-hmm. even in our small little town, people are eager for that kind of thing to yeah. bring life to the town. Yeah. So that idea of the third space, where it's not your workplace and it's mm-hmm. not your home, but it's like the third space where, you know, interactions can just happen. Even if you're just passing through to get a coffee, you know, you'll bump mm-hmm. into people or you'll see the gallery show that just got put up and just like, we've had no third spaces all of a sudden. So that's been really great. It's going extremely well down in town. It's just great. So residents here, I've sent all of them, I think, have been down there. So then they're in there, an artist. Like, it's all run by artists. So then yeah. they're talking to the artists and they're, you know, it's just like having a nice experience because the best thing in town is run by artists. I guess that's kind of what they're doing. Yeah. And there's the farmer's market too. Yeah, which is great. Which is also that mm-hmm. third space. And right. Especially in summer because it's not running in the winter. But for our small town, it's amazing that we have such a vibrant farmer's market. But mm-hmm. once school's back in session, it starts right after school. And so kids are always running around there and... Um, we just have lots of whether it's craftspeople or people doing maple syrup or veggie farms or cheesemakers. You know, yeah. People just bring that to the market. And I think farmers markets are like that. It's not just about farmers. It's about all the kind of artisanal stuff that can come out of these fields and hills. You know, and in those art, early arts collective meetings, we were talking a good amount about Marfa, Texas, oh, which wow, yeah. you know is. Have you ever been? I've not been there, but I know of it. You know of it. So it is in West Texas, you know, probably about six or eight hours from Austin. It's it's out in the middle of like... Desert old railroad town. Old railroad town, you know, just oil rigs and cows is all you see, like for miles leading up to it. And that town has been brought back by artists who first like had studios there and then there was a museum built and galleries and... You know, then there's cool places to stay, and then there's a Prada installation. You know, there's just all sorts of weird art going on out there. And so we were kind of talking about thinking of this space as, like, some place where people can come and make art, and then perhaps the art that they're making while they're here have an effect on the art that ends up being here year-round. You know, just kind of thinking about the ways that there is something really appealing about a space a, a town like this where there's not a lot going on it's extremely soothing yeah <laughs> and just so much, much potential yeah so much potential but just also like it's quiet you know you can just sit and like not be judged by anyone for hours and i think that like less and less people living in cities are just like there's so much stimuli that to come out here it's kind of like a stimuli detox in a way that like hopefully yeah. it's like almost like you need a week of getting into that mode to like let your nervous system <laughs> wind down before you can like ramp back up the creative juices. Like yeah, one like resident. Just, you like yeah. Right. right. Yeah. One summer. resident was like, she's coming next week and she said, I think I'm going to sleep for the first two days. That's my artistic plan. I was like, I get it. You know, just like yeah. recalibrate, recharge your, your batteries of what you're like, just being pulled on all the time. Yeah. With work and life and city living. So with, with that, like, being out here, like, how, how do you two recharge and get yourselves together to, like, reconsider the land or, like, keep your own practices up and running? Because you're doing a lot. Like, this is not a small feat. Like, you have the farm. You're also doing uh, some, like, work on the side as well. Um, you have a beautiful young child. So... Like, how do you make that time for yourself to get back into it or to 
recharge a little bit. I, I well, I think one of the beautiful things about Vermont is this winter. Winter. Yeah. Winter. <laughs> that's the answer. Uh, I think winter. that's that's been the traditional, you know, Vermont way of restoring. It's just winter time. It's just mm-hmm. you are things are slower. Um, certainly there's not as many plants growing like that has changed a bit and it's certainly for our farm we're not like a traditional veggie farm where you're growing all during the summer and then you rest during the winter we still mm-hmm. we grow and we dry everything so then we get creative in the winter where you're making up products and, and making things and selling things so we have a little bit more kind of year-roundness to it but it really does slow down significantly in the winter and I think that's a great time where you can be here by the wood stove you can I, I always have little notebooks that I'm scribbling in with ideas or drawings or things that I'm just dreaming of. Yeah. Um, but also, I like to, year-round, I just like to take time just to walk around the land. I think as a farmer, you just need to be observing all the time. And it doesn't, and if you go out there always the intention of doing something, you lose that broader focus. So for me, I, I love just strolling through the, through the field, and I don't let myself get too worried about the fact that I'm not getting down and weeding or planting this or doing that it's just taking the time to to wander and just let let it all flow through you and kind of see what speaks to you what needs doing or yeah. what where the inspiration is in the summer it is hard to find those moments because it's such a short season where so much happens yeah and all that daylight you're just drawn outside all the work needs to get done um so for me going for a walk like after dinner to get some lettuce or pick some wildflowers or something where I'm just walking on the farm, clocked out. The sunset here is very happy making. The light on the hillside, you know, just getting to like have a moment of like enjoying this beautiful place where we live. Because sometimes when I'm working, you know, I'll be weeding and then you look up and I'm like, oh, that's right. There is the sky all around me, and I haven't looked at it for an hour straight, you know, and it's just so, it just, like, relaxes your body just to see that much sky and just to, I mean, for me, just to get to see, like, that much land. Um, So finding those moments of just not working and being here. Yeah. Yeah. We have talked about letting ourselves go and, like, stay in the camper, like, one night when we don't have to oh, yeah. here and just, like, getting away from it for a little bit. But mm-hmm. I know we're, you know, we, we feel every year here we're more and more grounded in this place, and I think it, we're, like, on, in a way, you know, people say you live in the country, sometimes you're, like, you're on vacation all the time because you're, like, you're away from it all <laughs> to some degree. And oh. I don't think that's entirely true because, <laughs> especially in today's world, you can always be connected to so much, even, you know, just sitting in a room you can connect to the world but with the internet with the internet Mm -hmm. or telephone or television or whatever it is but which again thankfully is not available in the camper yeah it's another really wonderful right but i think it's it's finding that just that that middle road of it's not too crazy like in the city and it's not necessarily too relaxed but just finding that middle road of peace and tranquility that can kind of run through your whole life that's one thing that I kind of seek out all the time and you know it's hard to always find that balance but I think that's what we're always kind of seeking I mean no two days are the same when you're working with the earth and it is just wild I wish I wrote down the things that happened every day because you can have a plan for the day and then it can blow up in two seconds yeah yeah just because the cow got out or a truck got stuck in the mud or (laughs) the porta potty you were getting delivered tipped over or someone showed up who you weren't expecting that you haven't seen in 10 years or your neighbor needs help or, you know, there's just so many. People always think that it's not social in the country and it's so social. I can't go into town without talking to everyone I see because I know everyone, you know, so you're having these kind of like ongoing conversations with like everyone in town because you're all just living in this tiny place together. Also, I think it's really fun to like have residents coming and like, Especially for our kid, you know, who doesn't get to see, like, that many kids every day right now because he's hanging out with us. There's just all these people coming in, you know? So it's just, like, kind of, like, and we always, like, wanted to have a house like that where, like, people were coming in and, like, sitting down for a drink and, you know, just to not be just away doing that thing by ourselves. Like, even though it technically looks like that, it's, like, there's so many people involved. 
And like our neighbor with the tractor who comes and like saves our farm every spring with his brush hogging and tractoring. You know, like it's we're very much reliant on everyone around us. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. Like we we yeah. enjoy that 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 network of the community and again just not only feeling grounded on our land but in the community too and just making more connections around the town is really great. And I think we, we situated ourselves we we always kinda of had the idea when we were looking for land, going back to the beginning of the conversation of where do we want to be? Do we want to be far out on a dirt road? Do we want to be in a village? Do we want to be, where do we want to be? And I think we were always kind of looking for that traditional farming community town that you can imagine, not just here in New England, but around the world, where you have a small kind of village center, which you can see from up on the hill. Yeah. And, but being close to that, so that you're not just isolated, but you can feel the presence of the village and you can feel close to it. And uh, the proximity, I think, is... It's really important to us that mm -hmm. we're really a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, we get popped on to town. Yeah. Yeah. To see people or get a talk from someone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're in the village. Jump to the, over to the post office. Yeah. 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 So this is the the first year that the residency has been going, right? This is the first year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do, how are you feeling about it so far? All I wanted was for every single person who came to have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> and so far, if people are being honest with me, they are having a great time. Great. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have not a lot of major improvements that I'm thinking about for next year. Yeah. You know, an idea would always be to have more campers, so to have it be more of like a community of artists working together. At the same time, I think there is also something nice about just being the artist in residence, being the yeah. only one. So that's something I'm kind of thinking about. Um, yeah, I think something that I would want to improve on with maybe like some way to share your work at the end, some sort of established, maybe we have like a Friday night set up with the gallery in town where like the last Friday of your residency, you know, you're showing your work in some small way. But yeah. on the other hand, some people don't want to make don't want to feel like they have to finish a project by the end of the residency, and I don't think you have to for it to be fruitful for you as an artist. So yeah. those are just kind of some like infrastructure things that maybe I could like have set up if someone wanted it because I really want it to be like whatever you need from this space, you know. And people have come when it's been good weather, like we opened it up June, July, August, and actually no one came in June. It's just been July, August. Which has also been great because it's like warm, perfect. Yeah. Like this is the time to live here. So come. Although September is gorgeous, but it gets say. a little chilly at night. It's, it's chilly, if, if, and but the foliage is just um, unreal. Mm -hmm. I've really appreciated a little bit of like crispness in the air at yeah. night coming yeah. from DC, where mm -hmm. it's just so humid and swampy. Yeah. yeah, you're getting hugged by the moisture at all yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, you know, you have to be a certain type of person to want to do something like this. But, you know, I want to, like, keep it affordable, keep, just try to, like, offer what we have here, which is, like, we're on a working farm, you know, you have a lot of privacy, and if that sounds like the right thing for you, come on up. Yeah. And it kind of, I, I, we haven't mentioned the campers that we have coming, too, just, mm -hmm. like, that was kind of the first thing we did years ago was bringing, to have, people, on the land. bringing people on the land as Tyler said that's kind of been part of the vision from the beginning and we get people coming from all over whether it's I don't know New Jersey or Quebec or international travelers coming through or we get people families or couples or individuals which is just really fun just to provide a space for people to come out and experience the land and experience this place that they have no connection to that aren't necessarily artists but I think that we kind of view the residency as kind of a part of that it's just mm -hmm. like the flow oh, yeah. of people coming through and we as Taylor said we just want the flow happening we're just here to just like coax it into happening all and the time and everyone's having their own experiences yeah. on the land yeah. we're not necessarily like giving them their experience and they we can make whatever they, right. they want yeah. which is they so want. wild like we were just looking I was looking at some photos on hip camp the other day and it's all these people having great times and beautiful <laughs> vistas here but I didn't know what was happening you know yeah, I did because like I knew they were out like there barbecuing on the, yeah, on the fire just and like yeah, doing their own thing up there. And then you see the photos of it, and it's like, wow, people are, like, having life around here. Yeah. And that's great. You know, it's just like, we can all be having our little experiences separately, but 
Yeah, you're bringing a lot of really good energy into the, into the land here. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. I feel like I'm a very social person. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really like just having people coming through like that. It really makes me feel like it's a sustainable way for me to live in the country. Yeah. Didn't I, did I tell you I wanted to start a podcast called Party Poet in the Woods? You did mention that. Yeah, yeah, where I talk to artists about their environments and how it informs their work because I feel like that's something that people have said to me, especially like good friends and family members when we first moved here. Like, you really like, you know, like parties and people. <laughs> and is this the right choice for you to be going live in the country where there's not a lot of parties or people? Um, so the residency is part of the way to make sure that it, I can have parties with people. Would you also ask a little bit about the subject matter of, the, of, of your podcast? Mm -hmm. Like how has being out here affected your work and your writing? You know, ideally, the seasons have been really helpful again. So like if I'm able to, I'm kind of writing poems all year round, but if yeah. in the winter I'm doing some good like revisions and submissions, then if I'm if I'm doing that, which I haven't been for a few years, then in springtime, I'm getting some acceptances, you know? Yeah. So it's like, then some fruition's happening in the spring, and then I'm doing a lot of, like, living in the summer, but still writing. So, like, that flow, ideally, if I can, like, tap back into that, that, for me, has been really, really helpful because the winter's just such an introspective time, like... Yeah. And I just have... We just have so much more time here. Like, I feel like people are always like, oh, I don't have time to read, and I'm like... Oh, I have time to read. <laughs> you know, like all winter. I mean, we have a kid now, so I have less time to read. Yeah, but we both work from home. We're not commuting anywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether we're working on the farm or on the computer mm -hmm. for clients or whatever, we're, we're at home, and that's the whole purpose is to create this space around here that we can live in happily. And yeah, you have to have a lot of adaptability. Like a routine is not very possible for us in a lot of ways. Yeah. For as an artistic practice or just as like a daily work practice. Because when you're working with the land, like the land decides what's happening that day. Yeah, you can't always go to like your Tuesday yoga class or something. Like yeah. That. I can never go to my Tuesday yoga class, in fact. Yeah. yeah. No, so for me, like I'm, I'm, I'm really focused on trying to put together a manuscript and submit it and have a book enter the world that I did not make myself, as I said yeah. to you. So that is definitely a goal for me. But it's just like it's all artistic energy. So like I don't feel like bad about myself that that hasn't happened yet because yeah. we've created a farm and a residency and a tiny human. And those are all very large creative endeavors yeah, that have absolutely. been going on <laughs> up until this point. So, you know, it's like just where you're directing your energy. And like life is long, so... I'll get to it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I would really love, like, a writer's group. Like, that's been a little bit difficult because there's, like, some groups. There's some things that have been going on. But it's, like, 45 minutes away at 7 or 8 on a Tuesday once a month. And it's just really hard. Yeah. To, like... Tuesdays are, like, an awful day. Everything's <laughs> done outside of the farm. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Tuesdays. <laughs> just a random day of the week we're, we're just ganging up on. Um but yeah, that, that is difficult. It's just like getting, having like a consistent writer's community. Um, like I have a bunch of events that I go to like every year that are great. And there's an organization that I'm a part of that I called um, Literary North that like puts on events and um, has a calendar of writing events like all over the state. But the distance is hard. So it's like how yeah. do you make sure you're getting like fed? I mean, and reading is. Yeah. Like, I'm very up on poetry books. I read a lot of them and buy them and talk to people about them, but, you know. And request books from the library. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. So great to have a tiny library. They just basically <laughs> order what I ask for That's so for good. the library. You're and like no one else wants to read this. partially curated. Kind library. of, yeah. because yeah. I hear yeah. about these in books, and they're like, the oh. Cats collection. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. There's a lot of books in there that are because I asked for them, yeah. Yeah, so poetry is um, my preferred medium, partly because I can write a poem, a draft of a poem, very quickly. Yeah. Like, that's the type of project that I'm good at. It's like, I like to be able to start and finish something. 
A quilt makes me want to take a nap. I mean, <laughs> there's just no chance. Or knitting a sweater. Uh, not a knitter. No, but just like there's so many people making things all the time out here that that's been like really, really great. And like, you know, we just hosted a natural dye workshop and it's like yeah. I don't consider myself like a textile person necessarily or or like a dyer or anything in like the fashion arena. But it's so much fun. It's just like another craft. You know, we hosted a basket making class. Yeah. Which was also just a delight. So just getting to like be involved in all these sort of like skills and crafts and you know you live out in the country and you don't want to buy everything yourself you want to like make stuff so it's like that and that way like artistry is like more involved in your in your life and everyone out here is like a fiber artist who like has sheep and spins their wool so I feel like that just like makes me feel like art is part of my life mm-hmm. even making pickles feels like art yeah mm-hmm. I guess that's just like holistic approach that the two of you have mm-hmm. really taken to yeah everything which is so wonderful to see that's really funny that you say a holistic approach because I got ragged on in grad school all the time when we would have <laughs> workshops and you know people would be commenting so often how it works is the poet reads their poem and then is quiet while the rest of the class workshops it and then at the end they're allowed to ask one or two questions yeah and I always got made fun of because I would often offer a holistic comment about the poem as opposed to honing in on the way this or that happened. And yeah, yeah people would just start making fun of me by the end because I was just <laughs> offering holistic <laughs> feelings and suggestions about the poem, which are often harder to uh, make revisions based off of. Because yeah. I'm not like, just take out all the letters, all the adjectives or anything. Anyway, it is all about the holistic yeah. Perspective. Though. It really is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't just peel one part away. It's like it's all integrated. Yeah. And I mean for our farm too, like we love just making things. Like we have poetry bookmarks with Misha's photos on it and a poem yeah. all my poems on it. And you know, what else have we done? We've done little a little cookbook. I had a little poetry postcard CSA for a little while. I had a little photo card CSA. A photo card CSA. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, just like, it's we, all... We don't hold back. We just kind of go with it. Yeah, and if yeah. people are into it, great. And if they're not, then we'll just put that on the back burner. And yeah. Do something else. It's just like not very high stakes when you're out here. It's just like no one's going to... Uh, if something doesn't work out, it's like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel bad about it. Just try the next thing. Yeah. If only seven people come to your farm tour. No biggie. More empanadas for us. More, More empanadas, empanadas for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's very forgiving being out here, definitely. You can just be kind of wild. Like, no one's watching you. It's really nice. Yeah. It's, I think it's really good for, like, the brain to just be unwitnessed. Yeah. In for, the soul. In the soul. Yeah. I just forget when I like go to a city and it's like people are so like self-aware like oh yeah that's right you kind of have to like have that like armor and be like defining yourself based on other people and like you know you're much more like carving yourself you have to have posture and a positioning yeah yeah Yeah. I just don't really need to do it that much anymore yeah yeah well how can people find out a little bit more about the farm and the apothecary and coming here for camping and residency so you go okay uh com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well that actually put it, would be the easiest um but we're on instagram we're on at freeverse farm at Freeverse farm and, I and think you can I'm... see a lot of photos and all the different activities that we're up to um, misha's a photographer did we talk about that maybe not technically on the podcast <laughs> well we did mention the photo CSA that I oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but yeah instagram is great place where we're putting a lot of what we're up to um the residency page on the farm website i need to update it because i kind of want to just have it be a rolling application just because kind of like if people want to apply now for next summer that's fine um the what else are we doing well hip camp you can go yep you can camp at our farm.com and look up freebirds farm Mm -hmm. and we'll pop up there and you can buy our products online or at your local boutique. Hopefully. <laughs> Whoever's listening to this. 
Go request our products at your local boutique. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have a blog, but I won't mention that. It's old. But it's, there's still some stuff going on there. I'm also a poet for hire. I don't know if we've talked about that. No, no. Yep, that's one of the many hats I wear, and I wear that hat pretty frequently. It's something, another thing I did to save my life um, the first winter we lived here. I was like, huh, let me just put up a page on my blog and say that I'm a poet for hire and see if anyone contacts me. And the first year, like, maybe four people did, and the next year, like, more. And now, I mean, I'm writing poems for, like, five, eight people a month. And they're just strangers that find me on the internet. And I have, we correspond, they tell me all the details that they want in a poem, and I write it for them. And then I invoice them via PayPal. Oh, wow. That's so <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's often like for um, events and celebrations, like, you know, 90th birthday party or um, yeah. wedding invitation, or I recently just wrote poems for like a wedding guests at a very small wedding ceremony, just like as a way to like appreciate every single person that was there. So sorts of projects trying to get back together with a girlfriend poem those people don't often pay i'm like there is no guarantee that this poem will resuscitate your love life by the way you might need to do more work than just than just this yes exactly so yeah that's something that i'm doing um which is really fun and like just feels like the most ancient profession that i'm able to do via the internet which is put people's People write to me all this beautiful information about this person, and they're like, "But I'm a terrible poet." I'm like, "But you just—if you just wrote this in a letter to someone, that would be beautiful too." You know, it's all yeah. about their sentiment. Put some rhyme breaks in it. It's poem. Yeah, I mean, I do make them rhyme. <laughs> usually, usually people want them to rhyme, yeah, no, and rhyming true. is difficult. So I hear, although I find it not very difficult. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's such a like it's it's such so much that person in that poem. I'm just kind of like this conversion service who happens to have poetry skills yeah help them do it so yeah it's been it's very beautiful sometimes like a man who's never expressed his love for his wife for 30 years and realized that he's never really told her how much he appreciates her coming to me to help him write this poem to give to her for their birthday for her birthday so it's a very interesting internet experience that i've never had yeah that's incredible yeah weirdest Weird and great. Yeah. I know. I need to write a book about that. Very short chapters about these different people that contact me. Yeah, you absolutely should. Yeah, because I get like a very intimate window into their lives, and then we never talk again for as long (laughs) as we both shall live. Although I do have some returns. I was just going to say. You return to other people. Oh!